Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Pretty Much Done. I'm Julia Mazur. I couldn't be more excited about this episode. I've been listening to We Met at Acme for over a year, and Lindsay's podcast literally got me through a toxic relationship and breakup. Lindsay is the biggest inspiration. She started her podcast after getting dumped on her 27th birthday and is now married to an amazing partner today. She comes on to discuss how her parents' Jewish trauma impacted our dating lives and shares her important dating rules. Spoiler alert, we disagree on a big one. Lindsay couldn't be more lovely and smart, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Here's Lindsay. Hi guys, welcome to Pretty Much Done. I am so excited about today's episode. I don't know if I told you this, but I DM'd you in April of 2021. I was going through a super toxic breakup and your podcast got me through. So I'm so excited to have the host of We Met at Acme. She is the queen of the dating rules. Lindsay Metzlar, welcome to Pretty Much Done. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks, Julia. That's so funny. I have to go through my old messages now and find that. I love that. That Those are like my favorite messages to get hands down. Like there's nothing better than, you know, hearing that something that you've done has helped someone in especially a breakup if it's a dating podcast. So that's awesome. Yeah, totally. I like had an aha moment. And I think that it like brought me to starting my own podcast and you couldn't have been sweeter. You were so kind. It was so, so nice. Oh, so I'm so glad. So what is, what's your relationship status today? So I'm recently single, but like not from that toxic breakup, another relationship. So he was a great guy. Um, just not the one. So okay. the search continues. The yeah. It continues. You're so young. Like you, who knows? It's also, I really think that like, there's nothing more exciting than not knowing who you're going to end up with. Totally. A hundred percent. It's that uncertainty. And like, I tell all my friends, I'm like, what if I told you at like 31, you're going to find him? Like, what are you going to do with these next two years? Like, it's just exactly. the uncertainty that's scary. But yeah. I think that as long as you, like, you know, you're going to find someone you just know. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I want to, you're such a podcaster, like interviewing me, like, what's your relationship status? <laughs> um, well, I know you're married, but I first want to start and talk about, you know, you started a dating podcast. We met at Acme. If anyone hasn't listened, I highly doubt that if they found themselves on a breakup podcast, you've listened to We Met at Acme. But in case you haven't, Lindsay, tell us how you started a dating podcast. How did We Met at Acme start? Yeah, so it started with my own breakup. Um, I was dumped on my 27th birthday and it could have gone one or two ways. I could have been feeling really sorry for myself. I could have been like, oh, you know, life sucks. I'm a victim. But instead I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back out there and I'm going to do something that I love, which at the moment was talking about dating. And there were not really any dating podcasts at the time. It was more like news and crime and I really needed something to listen to. And so I was like, maybe I'll just grab some friends, start conversations and, and, you know, see where it goes from there. So that's how we met at Acme came to be. And this asshole broke up with you on your birthday? Such an asshole. Like not even worth us discussing him type of asshole. Yeah. yeah. You know how that so, goes. Totally. I've, I've had that. That's when I reached out to you in April. A hundred percent. Um. Has he reached out since you've started the podcast though? He did in the beginning. Um, we are like both 
prospectively married and like what's the funniest part is that like he has a podcast now too no way uh-huh. wow wow inspo he was like right oh, really right totally. yeah that's like tink says like men always come back or their lives get worse but like totally. a man came back and literally copied your style Exactly. They're so unoriginal. So unoriginal. So, okay. Dating, obviously important topic for me too. Did you grow up with like love and dating being like extremely talked about in your household? Because for me, it definitely was. A little bit. I would say so. my parents are to, are still married. Are, are yours as well? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. So I would say like they had such a great relationship. They were so obsessed with each other that um, that kind of put like pressure on me. Whereas like, you know, it's a, it's a lose-lose. It's like your parents are obsessed with each other. You have pressure to have that relationship. Your parents hate each other. You think that all relationships are going to end like that. Totally. And um my parents were, you know, really in love. And my mom was very, like a very strong woman, you know, we're Jewish, like you and I have talked about and very much like the, the neck of the household. And she was worried because it's just my sister and I, and with two girls, she was like, I don't want these girls to like, get walked all over or get played or whatever and so from a young age she like put dating books in my room like he's just not that into you or the rules or whatever it is um so that I would know like what to look out for what about you growing up that's so cool I mean for me I had a similar situation because I also had a sister she was older I'm the younger one And for me, yeah, interesting. So for me, I'm Russian Jewish and um, my parents got married at 21 and it was like them just figuring out. They were like, you're Russian, you're Jewish. okay." And like they got married. And my mom always told us growing up, like, you should have kids young um, so that you can like have enough energy to like run around with them. And my sister was like, yeah, like 10, 4, got it. And she like got married at 25, had a baby at 27 and here I am at 29, not been married, not had kids and like kind of chasing my career. And that was always like a struggle for me. And mm. a lot of friends around me got married young too. I don't like, it's weird, this like Russian Jewish community, a lot of people did. And for me, I always felt this pressure of like chasing, finding someone and not like focusing on like how they made me feel. And it was like the checklist dating and I think that so many Jewish women, I'm sure like every culture can kind of relate, but like you look for that checklist and yeah. you you feel disappointed. Did you find yourself right. in that situation too? No, I definitely did. I'm curious, where are you from originally? LA. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, where are you from? I'm from here. I'm from New York. Okay. And so it's like very similar. Um, but it's interesting, the whole, the whole checklist thing. And it's also interesting that your parents, like, encourage your sister to, to do that young. Um, my parents got married when they were, like, 26, 27. And mm-hmm. my mom ended up having my sister at 30 just because she, you know, had a few years where she was trying to get pregnant. But that was, like, considered late back then, which is so insane. Yeah. Today, like you know, you're 29, I'm 32. When I was 29 was when I ran into my now husband. And three years later, you know, we're married. 
And so I personally think that you are in your Saturn return, like everything, like the best is like right around the corner. Like I know that for a fact. Um, and we actually just did an episode, like the best things come, the best relationships come to those who wait, because like, you know, not to say that like your sister or my sister isn't in a wonderful relationship, but it's like when you are like 29 and up and you meet your significant other, you yeah, you might have a checklist like, you know, everyone else, but you are that checklist too, yeah. which is so great. It's like you, oh, you want someone successful. Oh, you want someone who has their own space. Oh, you want someone who is warm, is well-rounded. Well, you have done the work now to be all of those things too. Whereas like when you were 29 with that or 25 with that checklist, you probably didn't have most of those things. I certainly didn't. No, a hundred percent. I was 20 at one point dating a 28 year old guy who was like a lawyer at a corporate law firm. I couldn't even like go out to the bars with him. I didn't like, I had to get a fake ID to like go out with him. Who was I? Like, no, I, I had nothing to bring to the table. And I felt like I was so lucky to be with someone who had their own place and who was a corporate lawyer. And like that feeling is just not what it is. Totally. Totally. So interesting that you didn't date. Did you date with the checklist in mind? Like, because I've been thinking a lot about this and like, you know, I've always been like, okay, I want to date someone Jewish, you know, dated so many like doctors and lawyers because my parents were like doctors and lawyers, like the Jewish trauma. Right. And like, I've felt like a little bit disappointed because I don't know that like those people have been the right person for me and it's not really like a fit. And did you ever like find yourself in situations like that on the apps, like dating like that? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, there are so many people that I dated or continue to date because they fit what my parents wanted me to date. Like there was a guy who was a family friend who we went on vacation with his family and we ended up hooking up and it, you know, it was one of those things he's a great guy, but he's younger. And like, I was in a place where like, I was insecure and I definitely dated him because like he, because first of all, he liked me a lot. And second of all, like our parents were so thrilled and they were like, this is everything like a Jewish parent could want. Like our friend's son who like is amazing and he comes from this great family and whatever. And I would be like, and then we had some issues and some fights and I would be like, you know, he, it's like, you know, we've been fighting or this toxic thing happened, or I I don't really know because of X, Y, and Z. And they would be like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. He's, it's great. Just, you know, be with him. Like all relationships are like, and it was traumatic for me because I was like, wait, I'm literally telling you that like, I don't feel good with this person. And like, you're just telling me to be with them because of X, Y, Z. So I fully get that whole like projection of what they want for you. And then it's almost like you want to rebel and you want to date like a non-Jew with tattoos who, you know, whatever. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, my toxic relationship, he was, he would tell my mom, like, I just want to give Julia a really nice life. Like I'm willing to get her a $4 million house. Like I can afford a $4 million house. And my mom was like, my mom is projecting because she had to struggle and they were immigrants. And she's like, this guy is like giving you everything. Relationships are hard. This is what it's like. And I'm like, this is what it's like. Are you sure? How did you come combat that? Like, what did you tell your family? Like, how do you, in that situation, navigate telling your parents in in nice words to F off? I mean, I was basically like, 
if you're going to react like this every time I tell you about my relationship, like I'm not going to tell you about it. And eventually like I just broke up with him and then told him afterwards, as opposed to like cluing them in because I knew that they were going to be like, Oh, just give it a try or Oh, this, Oh, that. And then when I was in another, or like, for example, with my, my relationship with my husband, like they're like, Oh my God, we see how happy you are. We do this, we do that. But even with my husband, I was hesitant to start dating him because he was everything that they would have loved. Mm. And I was like, I just don't want to give it to them. You know, like, I just don't want to give it to them. Like, and, um, and it's, and it's funny how you like rebel, but then ultimately like what is best for you sometimes can be somebody similar, um, but not somebody that your parents pick out. That's for sure. For sure. Um, I think that's wise. I was talking to a girlfriend about it yesterday and she was like, I think I'm going to wait to tell my mom that I'm seeing someone until I'm like really, really sure. And I think I agree with that logic. I wanted to ask you, like, I think a lot of Jewish people listening have like struggle with the, do I need to marry someone Jewish thing? What are your, what's your take on that? I think my take is if it's between a wonderful person who is not Jewish and a decent person who is Jewish, I'd always take the first. Yeah. Like I can't, like I can't tell you how toxic the mentality of like whatever is fine he's Jewish is. Like it's there are so many amazing people obviously, you know, who are not Jewish and as long as they respect your culture, like I think it can get complicated when your non-Jewish partner is very gung-ho about like their religion. Mm. Like I think most of my friends who are Jewish and in um, it's like interfaith relationships, their partner doesn't really care about their religion. Yeah. It gets more complicated when it's like a, you know, really Catholic guy and a really Jewish girl. It's like you both want like, to perpetuate your religion and how are you going to do that with raising your kids? Um, what I will say is being married to a Jewish man, it is so much easier Yeah, with their family above all else. Like I dated non-Jew after non-Jew after non-Jew and I never vibed with their mom or like their dad. And it was not like what I was used to. Like I remember one person I dated, I went to their parents house and they didn't even listen to music in the house and I thought that was so crazy because like we come from like the loudest house where everyone's screaming and there's music on and tvs on and I was like I don't understand that and I found the mom and this is just in a particular instance this isn't just like all Jewish non-Jewish people right but the mom in this instance was like cold she wasn't friendly like whereas being with my husband's family, like they're just like my family, like not a hundred percent. Like they're not as loud and as crazy, but like his mom and I see eye to eye, his sister, you know, his dad and I, and I think, so it will make your life much easier, but is it necessary? No. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think I dated a non-Jew before, like seriously dated. And it was really hard because there were certain things like 
he didn't go to his friend's weddings. He he was like, I'm not going to travel like for my friend's wedding and for like me and Jewish culture. I don't know if you agree, but like, right. that's you like, can't miss. that's, su- yeah, that's like it's social taboo. suicide. Yeah. You're like uh-huh. getting at- cast out. And like, there were things like bringing something to someone's house. Like, I, I don't think that these yes. are just Jewish things, but that is so true. Like I experienced that too with my non-Jewish boyfriends. Like they never thought to bring something when going to someone's house. Yeah. We it got into so a crazy. fight over it. Like I bought a bottle of wine yeah. and he's like, we don't need to do that. And we were going to a Jewish person's house. I'm like, no, trust me. Like we definitely do. So yeah, there are those little nuances. Do I think that it can like, I, I don't know. I don't know that they're like make or break situations. Cause if someone's so fantastic, those are things that can be taught, but being staunch on like, I don't want to attend weddings. I, you know, I don't value time with my friends, like or in family. I think that those are things you just can't overcome. And I know that feeling of like feeling welcome in a household that's really similar to your own. Cause like meeting the parents is stressful enough, like coming to a quiet household and feeling on edge the entire time. It's, yeah. It feels like a no brainer. Mm-hmm. So, okay. You mentioned your husband, obviously. Also I listening to the pod, I always like think it's so interesting that you have this battle with your husband about like you lived in a household where you guys yelled and were louder and I mm. I can so relate my parents always yelled and screamed at each other um but I wanted to hear about like how did you know that he was different like what did you feel do you think that you had just like done the work on yourself and like you were really ready like what was different about your husband it was so crazy because I, you know, we talked about the checklist, like I threw out that checklist a long time ago. And then I ran into my husband and, you know, was texting our mutual friend, like what's Stephen Green feel and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, you know, this and that. And I'm like, whoa, that's like everything on my checklist. But like, I don't know this guy, like he could have everything that sounds phenomenal, but I could then go out to dinner with him and we could have no vibe. Yeah. So if we have no vibe, then like, whatever. Um, and so we ended up going out and like immediately after talking to him, I was like, this is my husband. And it wasn't, it, it really like the checklist was an added bonus. It was like our energy together. It was, he made me feel safe. I think part of it was that like, we come from a similar background of like being from New York, having close-knit family, like the Jewish thing, you know, a similar sense of humor, similar interests. It was like similar morals, everything kind of aligned. And it was this feeling where I felt excited and really scared, Mm -hmm. but also really safe. And yeah. And so it was just like this, everything coming together and being like, of course I would end up with this person, you know, like it was like not a question from the moment that we had that first date. I never doubted that he was the one for me. And I think that was like so strong. Well, um, you mentioned feeling really scared. It's interesting because I feel like the older I get, like the more my girlfriends are like meeting their people. And um, a girlfriend recently told me, actually two girlfriends told me like, I'm really scared because it feels like they've met their people. Like what, what scared Mm. you about it? I thought he was too good to be true for (laughs) sure. And I liked him so much. And I was used to relationships where like, like I was 1000% sure that they liked me more, needed me more, et cetera. 
And I still think like Stephen likes me a little bit more, but I liked him so much that I was like so scared of it not working out. And I remember I told my therapist that and she was like, strap in. And I was like, okay, I'm strapping in. Yeah, that's good advice. Because like if you don't, if you don't, like if you're not vulnerable and you don't take a chance, then you'll never know. Right, exactly. Yeah. Going back to our like Jewish trauma, I want your advice to someone who is like, you were like, when you start, when we started this podcast, you're like, you're so young. And like my gut reaction was like, no, I'm 29. Like my mom said, I got to get this show on the road at 30. Yeah. Like someone who's feeling like, you know, they're of a certain age or getting a little older and they're feeling really scared, like, and don't want to give off that desperate vibe. Like what is your advice for someone to like combat that anxiety of not finding the one? I think that, well, first of all, I should listen to the episode on um, best relationships come to those who wait. But I think in terms of combating that anxiety, it's like you have to enjoy the process. Like if you're sitting with anxiety about like, when am I going to meet them? You are just not attracting them at all. Like that is just not, that's like, the opposite of manifestation. That's like shutting everyone out because that's like, you can like sniff that out. Yeah. If you like truly love your life and I know how hard it is because like you're thinking like, Oh, it's never going to happen and blah, blah, blah. But like, if you can truly enjoy the process like of like dating, of getting to know people of like, you know, because you love your life, because you love yourself, then like it's, way more likely than you that you will meet someone and just like having that attitude shift is such a small but like huge change that you could do for yourself and it's like going back to the manifestation like I remember I got my own apartment like right before I met Stephen like a year before and I remember my friend came over and he was like you are totally like manifesting the most amazing guy with his face like it's such like a mature old like you know apartment that if you didn't have that before like your apartment basically he's like your apartment was disgusting before yeah he's like and you are now like for sure gonna meet some great guy because you have this like beautiful face like and it wasn't about like money it wasn't about this it was just about like you know having Space for someone else in your life, but not being desperate for it and not having scarcity mindset of like, where are they? Totally. And like, I think that I had been at places in my life where I was like, well, like for sure, like in my like early 20s, I was like, I don't want to like get my own place because I'll probably just meet someone soon and then we'll get engaged and I'll move into his place. And like that attitude is not going to attract anyone at all. And it's like all about just like, living your life the way you want to. I interviewed someone a few weeks ago and, you know, she was like, when I broke up with my boyfriend, I was afraid to like go to Paris. And she was like, go to Paris, like go to Paris with your girlfriends, like go do all those things that you're saving with a significant other. Like there's really no need to be sitting there waiting like you're a princess in a castle. I love that. And that's also so much more attractive. Like if you go and like, you're just hoping to like find someone to invite you to move in with them. Like, no, I remember actually my sister, like when like her and her husband were having like an issue at one point, she 
like could have just stayed in like his apartment and hoped for like him to like propose or him to like fix it and whatever. And she was like, no, I'm getting my own apartment. Like if you want space, like I'm getting my space, you know? And it's like that little gesture just shows that like you are way more like worth whatever they think and that you're not willing to just like wait around for them to decide about you. Like this is your life. Yeah. What do you think the issue is with why people can't like meet good people, good partners? Like, what do you think it is? I mean, I think they can, but I think that sometimes people are like looking in the wrong places. I think that a lot, like most of the women that I will do like dating consultations with or this or that, who have not yet met the right person, they hate nice guys. Like they are only looking to date someone who's like not interested in them. Either that or they are not bringing to the table what they want to receive. Yeah. And I'm not like it's all women's fault because it's not. But that's the thing just dealing with more women than than men that I see over and over again. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I definitely have been this girl. I probably still am at certain points. But the girls going for the like avoidant guy are the girls who are not emotionally available quite yet. And my advice. Right. And they just don't realize. They don't realize. They, they like, they're like, he's such an asshole. He's playing games with me. It's like, no, he's like emotionally unavailable. And so are you. And that's why you're into it. Yeah. Totally. hundred percent. What were you going to say your advice was? Oh, my advice is therapy. It's like changed my life. (laughs) Oh my God. Me too. I don't know where I'd be without it. Yeah. I I had a session yesterday and and I realized I've been with her for two years. Like it's so crazy. Time flies. It really does. Yeah. So where, so where do like people meet single people? Where are like the best places? Definitely weddings. Yeah. Um, there's always at least one single person of your desired gender at a wedding. Um, I think dating apps is something that if you're not on already, like you need to be on, you need to utilize the dating apps. I personally think that hinge is the best one. I think that like Raya and those other apps are stupid. Um, I think that you should be going just like being a yes person and like going to like the party where you don't really know someone like go to like a Shabbat dinner. If you're Jewish, go to, um, you know, that birthday of like your coworker, you just never know where you're going to meet someone. I also think that especially at your age at 29, lots of relationships are ending because people are either getting married or they are breaking up. Yeah. And a lot of the breakups can lead to your future partner. That's so funny. One man's so trash. You never know. One man's trash exactly. is another man's treasure. Yeah. How did you and Steven meet, by the way? So we met, we, okay. So we knew each other because he went to high school with one of my best friends from college. Okay. And so we knew like of each other. We had met like vaguely throughout the years. And then we ran into each other in Miami on New Year's. Um, And like I was dating someone at the time. And I like that relationship had been over for a while. But both of us like, you know, hadn't made the move to end it. Like, you know, and that then it finally came to an end. And I had remembered like running into Steven. And I texted my friend about him and I was like, what's his deal? Blah, blah, blah. And then I ended up texting him because he kind of like had hit on me that night. I ran into him, but I was with my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. 
And so I texted him and I was like, I'm single now. Like we should go out. Um, and the rest is history. See, I'm like that too. A lot of my friends, like, I'll be like, just message first or like just DM him. And my friends are like, ew, I could never, that's so cringe. And I'm like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. I think what what's your what's your Yeah, thought? I mean, I think I I wouldn't like ask a guy out on a date yeah. out of the blue yeah. unless I knew that they liked me. Yeah. Like the, this is like probably my own trauma. Um like but if you do, you're right. Like what is the worst that could happen? You will immediately find out if they want to go out with you or not. Yeah. Your ego might be bruised, but like you'll find out, which is great. Yeah. I mean, I'm not advocating for like a hey, we should go out to drinks. But like, yeah, if you're kind of getting a feeler and I, I don't know, like I don't I, responding to a story like can be like a subtle way. Um, and, yeah. And like agreed, like lay it out for them. Totally. Like I'm I like indicate a little bit of interest so that they know. And the worst thing that can happen. I mean, let's say he asks you out and you're patient two dates. You'll probably know he's not your person anyway. You know, just like exactly. Let's get this exactly. show on the road. Wait, but now I have to know when your birthday. I'm a Virgo. I knew it was Virgo vibes. Once you're um, rising in the wait, I have to see the screenshot. So I think my moon is in Virgo. Okay. Yeah, my moon's in Virgo, and then what's what my Venus or what what is? You're rising, but you're Venus. Ascendant, Gemini. My ascendant's in Gemini. Oh, very cool. That's why you're a podcaster. Really? Because we're because Gemini is like all about communication. Got it. What what is yours? Are you also a Gemini? I'm not, no, I, but I have a Gemini Mars, which is like the planet of communication. Okay. So that's probably why I'm in podcasting, but, um, I'm a, I'm a Libra with a Virgo rising. Okay. So, um, have some Virgo in there too. And a Capricorn. Moon. Yeah. You texted me that you were running late and I was like, is she a Virgo? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cause like, I never, I have such Virgo energy. Like I, I hate being late. I yeah. hate, I would never cancel on anyone. Like the punctuality is key. I love my calendar advice. Same, you know, same 100%. Okay. Well, you mentioned that you would never ask someone out. So I was like, okay, we have to get into your dating rules because some of them I don't like fully agree with, but refresh everyone on your dating rules, like the main ones. I totally get it. And I love when people don't agree because I love a debate. Yeah. Um, I, so the rules are I'm, I'm going to like end up missing a few of them, but basically it's like no more than two drinks on a first date. Don't go home with them on a first date, you know, like no sex on the first few dates. Um, let them initiate like pretty much all texts, pretty much all dates. They should pay for you, but like you should offer mm-hmm. or do a reach at least. Um, don't text thank you after the date. Yeah is a big one that's controversial. That one's controversial. Um, I fought with someone on my podcast about that one. I'm I'm aligned with you. I don't think you text thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You can, if you, like, it's it's all about your intention. Right. Behind the text. Um, and then, like, don't, like, let them say I love you first. Let them, like, you know, lead once you're in the relationship. Let them pursue you. You don't say I love you first. No, never. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, I think the, I think the sleeping on the first date is maybe the one where we differ. Like, I just think like, I mean, I'm not that I, not that it has come up all the time, but I just think that what's going to happen is going to happen. And I don't want people to beat themselves up for it. 
I do understand mm-hmm. coming off like you do this all the time and you're not serious. No, totally. It's, it's actually, it has nothing to do with slut shaming because like I have lots of my fair share of yeah. people for sure. And more about like how fun it is to actually get to know each other before they're inside you. And like that to me is an intimate thing. And just to have the buildup of like sexual tension is so much more exciting. Um, And like, listen, if this is your person, like you want to have things to look forward to. For me, like as you know, in reverse, it's it's less about like, oh, the guy's not going to be into you if you sleep with him. I slept with someone on a first date and I wasn't into him because I had slept with him too quickly. Yeah. Like, forget guys. I was like, oh shit, now I'm bored. Yeah. Like now I did it all. Yeah. Like I don't really care to get to know him more. And that was just like a me thing. So I think that from my experience, it just hasn't worked out. And the exception to that is if you're like, I don't care where this goes and I'm just having fun. I'm going to sleep with this guy. Like maybe I'll date him. I probably won't. Those are the the situations that work out in your favor because there's no state. Yeah. What if you like, what if you're going out with someone for like two months, you like give it two months, you've invested two months and then you sleep with them and you realize like you're not sexually compatible. Like what then? Oh my God. I would never let it get to that point. I would say like by date five, like I've at least like, like felt an outline of like what we're working with here, you know, like, but yeah, I also don't think that you should give them head until you've had sex. Okay. But like, I'm very old school. Honestly, for me, I'm just like, if we're already at that point, we're just going to like close the fact, like I'm going to give you head and not get like something in return. Like for me, I'm just like, that doesn't make sense. No, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could do whatever. To right, you, exactly, but. exactly. Yeah. Um. Wait, and then the text message thing. Like, just a refresher. I'm on the same page as you, but mm-hmm. tell us why we shouldn't text thank you after a date. Because a lot of my yeah. girlfriends were like, "You definitely should. You're a bitch. You have to thank." Not a bitch. You thank them on the date, and you thank them genuinely and like very kindly, and then afterwards you see if they want to talk to you again. And if you text them, oh, by the way, thank you again. Like, first of all, they spent 20 bucks on a drink for you. Like, they didn't stitch your mom a beautiful knit sweater. Like, they, it's like a night, like, it's it's not something that deserves a second thank you. But also, like, it interrupts their thought process of like, if they were going to text you, if they want to see you again, they're going to text you. And so most of the time, as women, we are sending that thank you text because we need that validation yes. that they like yes. us. If you like them, great. You know you like them. Now let's see if they like you. Totally. Once they send you that text, you have that answer. Yeah. And like when he texts you, you can be like, thanks again. Exactly. Exactly. It's not like you never can thank yeah. him. Like he'll, he'll be like, Oh, had so much fun tonight. Let him say that first. And then you can be like, me too. Thanks again. Well, what are you watching now? Just whatever, you know, you mentioned like going on a drink. So I think that this is the difference between LA and New York. And I've talked to my guy friends about this and like LA, like you kind of expect a dinner 
What do your guy friends say? Like, how do they say like it gets annoying to pay? Like, what what are what's like a, a straight male's perspective on dates? Like, and planning these like nice dates because in LA it's like how a man shows effort. Yeah, I mean, in New York City we are used to like the drinks as the first date, but. I think that, you know, I, I kind of almost like that, like, lower stakes first date, like the walk, the hike, the drinks, the, you know, museum, whatever it is. Like, I personally would get uncomfortable if we went to, like, a crazy omakase on a first date. Like, I don't know you yet. I don't even want to be on this date longer than one to two hours max. Yeah. Like, I probably have plans after. And... You know, I just don't think that you need to, like, go balls to the wall until, like, the fifth or sixth date. Granted, like, after the first date, like, yeah, buy me dinner, of course. But I just don't think that you need to, like, do it up so much. It puts a lot of pressure, and it also makes the woman feel like they owe you something. I Yeah, I think this is a really good point. And I think if anyone's listening, I think that doing a more casual date to start off also takes the pressure off of you because you think that you like him because he took you to this omakase but it's like just that he like did that it's not how you felt with him and then it kind of like there's a lot of noise happening and totally. yeah I think keep it casual first totally. date yeah I yeah that. well okay I I want to do a quick little rapid fire segment with you Lindsay let's do um, it I want to ask you, what's one quote that someone can tell themselves every day to help them get through a breakup? What's meant for me will find me. Totally. And it's true. And that doesn't mean like they're breaking down your door and being like, Julia, but like keep doing the things that make you happy and make you, you and your best self. And what's meant for you is is already in the car. Totally. I think the universe has a plan and it's just up to you to like walk the path. Exactly. Um, what's one piece of advice you'd give to 20-year-old Lindsay? I say this all the time, so I apologize if you've heard it already, but if you're confused, he's not interested yeah. in you. Yeah. If you have to ask your friends what his text meant, mm-hmm. no. Um, what's the most important rule of all your dating rules? If you had to have one... Oh, uh, uh, so hard. Um, don't sleep with that one. Okay. okay, maybe I need to start adopting your rules. If my sister's listening, she's definitely <laughs> like, yeah, Julia, you need to start adopting Lindsay's rules. Um, what's the best part about being single? Mm, not having your emotions be affected by anyone else. Yeah, that's good. Um, what's the best part about being in a relationship? Hmm. having like that best friend like having that like ride or die person that's just like your go-to for everything that happens in your life like you like there's a long line at CVS you're like there's a long line I was literally gonna say that like someone just coughed in front of me in the line like those texts (laughs) yeah the like silly texts yeah 100% um what's one moment where you were really happy it's like your safe place it can be a place a country a city a song movie Mm. Mm, in Anguilla uh, last time I was there was on my honeymoon so definitely on my honeymoon but I could be there alone and still be the happiest I remember ever. watching your honeymoon content and I was like I've never been to Anguilla but I have to go 
Totally. Yeah. Uh, with my girlfriends. I, I won't save it. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love that. If you could have one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ooh, chicken fingers. Me too. I'd love like a, a room service chicken finger. I love. Oh, there's nothing, nothing better. better. The one hotel in Miami has some good chicken fingers. Oh my God, I'm going oh, good, there. Good. <laughs> and I'm literally going for the chicken fingers. I'm finger. so excited for you. That's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> cats or dogs? Dogs. Same. Celeb crush. Ooh, it's changed so much over time. I have like kind of a weird one. Tell me. Don't Tell judge me. me, but Ed Norton. Really? I see that. Yes. Yeah. Did did you ever see Twenty Fifth Hour? No. He's really hot oh my in God, it. That might be like his only movie. Okay, I'm writing yeah, this down. It's a Spike Lee one, and it's good. He's hot. It ends in New York. It takes place in New York. Okay, okay. last question, and I think I know. I'm going to know your answer. Mm-hmm. But what's the best city in the world? Obviously, New York City. <laughs> yeah. So you Honestly, a lot of my friends have moved and they're all like, Julie, I think you're coming, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If you do, we're going to be yeah. hanging. Um, well, okay, Lindsay, I think we're pretty much done here. Tell everyone where they can find you and your podcast. Yes, thank you. You can find me on Instagram at We Met at Acme um, or Lynn's Nets with Z's. And my podcast, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, called Team Meta. Everyone listen. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you. This is so great. I loved it. Thank you for listening to Pretty Much Done. If you want more information about this episode, you can check our show notes. Go like, subscribe, and leave a review because it helps us grow the pod. Love you. Thank you. Sorry, did I just love bomb you? I'm not toxic. You are. Okay, bye.